Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Hawkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. Online at RedRiverToyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. There you Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, also host of the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He's on Twitter at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, hello. How are you? I'm good. How do you feel about Memorial Day? Uh, Where's it rank in your holiday pantheon? I mean, I, pretty high. We remember we remember uh, our, our fallen ones that have that have upheld our right for freedom i mean i mean pretty high okay so that and then we get and we get a day off by the way good for you that you went to the real meaning of of memorial day because when i was talking about it on my show today i skipped right over that and just discussed the the logistical pleasures of memorial day um so i applaud you for remembering why memorial day is important now let's set that aside um (laughs) ranked like when I was talking about Christmas, I wasn't talking about the Lord's birth. I was really just talking about Christmas, the season, et cetera. So I think we can agree that Christmas and Thanksgiving, unless you counter object, I think we can agree that those are the best. Yes. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yes. I'm, I'm gonna big make Halloween a, guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it big Halloween guy. Big Halloween. Is it even a holiday? I see. I'm not. I'm not a Halloween guy. I'm. I'm past my dress up days. You know. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm not a Halloween guy either. But I. And the Sorry, other question is, is: it even? A, is it even? I'm more a of a nerd. Is it even a holiday, or is it just an occasion? Like we don't get Halloween off, do we? N- no. But one of the big draw. One of the big drawbacks of Halloween, by the way. Like one of those. So when you drawbacks. were discussing Memorial Day, it was more. It was about getting a day off. It's about yeah, it's about everything that goes into whether you look forward to and appreciate that holiday selfishly, right? And so I, right. again, I, let's let I'm really am glad that you brought up the real meaning for of Memorial. Right. Day. That's important, right? But I'm just talking about the other stuff, like Easter. Easter has a, a, a real meaning. It's the essence of the Christian faith. But when I'm talking about Easter for this purpose, ranking it as a holiday. What I'm talking about is how do you feel about going to church, eating ham, and not necessarily even getting a day off uh, and wearing a hat or whatever you do on a a hunt for candy uh, versus, say, July 4th, which is 
um, you know, you're going to get this this week, July 4th, is on a Tuesday. So presumably you're going to get that Monday off. You're going to basically a four-day weekend for July 4th. It's going to be freaking glorious. And so if I'm ranking holidays, I'm, just for me personally, mm-hmm. not because of the liturgical meaning, but July 4th ranks well ahead of Easter. Okay. All right. And I'm my, my, my larger point is that I think Memorial Day is sneakily one of the greats. Yes. It's one of the greats. Yes. Because of where it falls in the calendar, it's the – like, I actually think it's as good or better than July 4th because you get the three-day weekend, you get the summer extravaganza, you get the backyard cookouts or barbecues or whatever you want to call them. You got – maybe you're going to the beach. Maybe, but it has the advantage – that it's the first. It like everything is opening. It it like summer. I know it's not the official start of summer, but it's the unofficial start of summer. It is the beginning of that glorious stretch that is summer, and it's a, usually a little cooler than July Fourth. Usually the bugs aren't so bad as July Fourth, and you don't have fireworks to scare the hell out of the dogs. I yeah, think it's, it's still. A, you know, I think it's a better July Fourth than what it is. Yeah, it's still dogs, burgers, Lee Greenwood, and a day off. I hear you. I completely and understand. Without the actual fireworks, so your dogs are cowering under the bed. Yeah, it's dramatically better. Yeah, and I will say you're here from the same area in East Memphis. The fireworks are very—they go way too late. It's just it's all. Well, but you don't have to. I don't even think there's any area in Memphis. Well, I don't. I don't think that's specific to any area. I think generally they go way too late, and that's an well, old man complaint. Whatever else, but well, I mean, it's a difference between like four a.m. and one a.m. I can do it. Like if you're up no, until midnight, true. one a.m. Lighting them off. Know. That's what cool. area would you be in? Maybe if you're in Collierville. Collierville. And I think there's some parts of East Memphis. Like you. <laughs> Bill. Where you don't get. Yeah, I mean, like so it, cross poplar, right? I was, and then. Once you're in Memphis, you get uh, you get to if we get to this point where it's can you distinguish between fireworks and gunshots? And my running group the other day, I was I was talking to some guy, and he says, "Oh yeah, I've getting." He can he can now he can now he can distinguish between handgun shots and uh, automatic, you know, like semi-automatic weapon shots, like. <laughs> He he can he's like ah oh, that's uh, whatever like he's getting to be an aficionado on the and I to me it's bang 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 I can barely I can barely distinguish between a car firing and fireworks <laughs> and gunshots but I hear it every night you know so pretty much where we live in in East Memphis I hear a lot of gunshots or fireworks but they're, they're, this uh, fireworks this are, are are it's it's, it's well gunshots. paced you understand the pace a gunshot is pretty obvious. If it's just complete, one after the other after the other, fireworks don't fire. Did, did you see, by the way, I, I, I didn't see this in time. I did not see this in time to talk about it on my show. But Richard, did you see the, the video of the people in Whitehaven hitting the deck when there was a drive-by shooting? Oh, yes. Uh, they were on Fox. Were they on Fox News? How did I miss it? I, yeah, I, I saw that. I, it evidently it went national, and I literally was talking to someone today. I said, see, we made the national news again today. And, and, and the like, woman, well, my, my favorite, I should not say I got a kick out of it. I shouldn't, but I did. Oh, no, I'm it was sorry. The best, I mean, she popped up, and she ever. goes, like, all right, we're good, and she gets right back on camera. <laughs> she, here, here they are. They're out in Whitehaven, and they're doing a – 
they're doing a shoot about uh, anti-crime, whatever. Yes. How are you going to like, how are you going to stay safe, whatever else. The next thing you know, it's 11 in the morning. Gunshots ring out. They hit the deck. You hear, I think her name is Yolanda. Yeah. You hear her saying, stay down, get down and stay down. And then she's saying, you know, Jesus, she starts praying, like, but in a totally calm way, you can actually hear the TV crew hyperventilating if you listen carefully. Yep. And then she's like, okay, we're clear now. And it, it's. And she it, asks so calmly, she goes, drive by? Question, is, is it a question mark? Drive by? It's, 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 it's as if you are in a battlefield with someone who, like, knows what mortars sound like and, and what, you know, they've been doing it a million times. You just hit the deck, whatever else. Because she lives where she lives. It's a damn it was, shame, though, I got to say. It it's an extraordinary. Oh, no, it's awful. But, but, it's, but yes. It's, I, it's awful. It's an extraordinary piece of video. Yes, it is. The, the, the calm. The fact that, yes, the fact that someone is that familiar with what you do in a drive-by at 11 in the morning is certain certainly its own commentary. Yeah, hopping up and we're we're good. We're good. She gets right back on camera. <laughs> Didn't even incredible. skip a beat. Didn't skip a beat. You couldn't remotely. believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that that was a Fox News deal, wasn't it? I think it was. And that's where I saw I saw it on Twitter. I saw uh, it on Twitter. Yeah, I, I I saw Richard Ransom narrating it. So yeah. uh, that's that's where I, I that's where I did see it. And um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, that was extraordinary. And I'm, I, it feels to me like I probably go to Memorial Day because there are certain days that feel like other days. Today feels like Friday to me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of there. I'll be honest. And uh, so um, it's kind of hard for me to get my mind around the fact that tomorrow is still Friday. And I think a lot of people have like whatever. I think they're kicking back. They've left town. They're doing whatever they're doing. That's the sense I get. Yeah, before we get to the extended weekend, and before we get to sports talk here, I want to ask you about yeah. uh, the, the NBA because I opened on like the readiness of moving away from LeBron and how the NBA media covers the NBA. But I do want to suggest something to you before we get to the three-day weekend. Have you, have you delved into the Bama Rush documentary on HBO Max? Haven't seen it Max. No, I saw th- I played the trailer. When it came out, um, what's it called? It's called. It's just Bama Rush. Bama, Bama Rush. No, I've so I've seen the trailer, and I. It's funny. I was at Red Koi the other day, and do you ever eat at Red Koi? I love Red Koi. Best sushi yeah, in the city. Like Red Koi. Um, For the price. I don't. I don't know. I'll be honest. I like sushi. I never know what to order. I mean, what I want to order is the deep fried stuff with spicy uh, whatever on top. That, you, know, <laughs> you, what, you don't like the raw, or you not? That's what I want. I'll eat it. I like it all. I like okay, it all. Okay. I never know. Fried. I had the raw, raw too, but I mean, deep fried is delicious. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> anything. If you take anything and you put it in deep fryer, it will be improved. So, and so, quick, so. Do you mind if I get a I quick sidebar? I never know what to in? order. And in fact, the other night I texted my ex and my wife okay. and I asked her what we typically, what, what, you know, because I. I never know which roles to get. I like them all, whatever else. And so I can't judge whether it's the best sushi in the city. It's just not my area of expertise. I like them all. I do like the fried rice, though, there. So oh, you great. get a couple of rolls, get the, get the house fried rice, and you're all set. But I was there, and the woman, the t- table next to me, there were two young women, and they were talking. One of them went to Alabama, was in a sorority. One of them went uh, somewhere else, one of the sorority. And they were talking about it. And the, and the woman who was in Alabama in the sorority, she said, yeah, you know, 
we'll survive. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's going to be overblown. Like they're kind of bracing themselves at Alabama mm-hmm. for this because it's obviously going to be a caricature and the worst parts of whatever else it has dropped. And you've started to watch it. Yes. I, I, I watched the whole thing last night. Oh, really? Yes. Adam, I, it's a, it's hour, it? hour and 40 minutes. And it is it's, phenomenal. It's not, it's not I, episodic. It's just yeah. one hour, 40 minute thing. Okay. Yeah, learning, learning through it. But I do have to get a sidebar on, on Red Koi really quick. I'm sorry. I, I, okay. Florida and Wolf Chase is what I usually go for. I have a buddy who always talks to me about the damn Chick-fil-A roll. That's not a sushi roll, man. It's fried chicken, and they put, like, the, the mayo over top of it like it's Chick, Chick-fil-A. And they try to I, – I, I always tell him There's I'm no not ordering roll? that. No, there's chicken in it. There is fried chicken within this roll. I, I mean, sure, it's probably good, but I, why, why would I go get sushi and order fried chicken inside of my roll? We got some. I don't know. It was. It, uh, uh, anyway, side. very good. It's fair. We we agree. Red koi is good. Yes. Uh, anyway, but we also so the so, so the hour and forty minutes. How would hour forty minutes well spent? If, honestly, yes. Um, I learned about rush consultants. I I couldn't. I could not believe that they, these these girls and their families hire women to come in, and they make good money per hour and everything, about how to talk to people, what to avoid, uh, how you conversate with people, um, just so they can get into the sorority of their choice. They pay them. Also, the machine part of it, I, I don't – Okay, so they, they're the, not able the to machine? Get into it. The machine, it's Theta New Epsilon, and it's basically um, – it is the hidden – power of Alabama as a whole. They control elections. They control everything. It's, it's and they, the alums. Every, it's the, it's the, basically, it, it's the old boys network, except for it's not all boys. Yes, but they're, they're, you know, student government people always tend to win. There's only been very few times in history where their, their student government uh, candidates do not win. And they have been, they had to shut down student government from 93 to 96 because they had so many incidents with the machine going after people in their homes. The machine doesn't call itself the machine. That's the. Theta Nu Epsilon is what they call themselves. Theta Nu Epsilon. Is that the the sorority? No, it's just that's what they call them. That's all I could decide. They call themselves, I mean, everybody knows them as the machine at Alabama. So a couple things. One is on the, on the, on the sorority consultants, whatever they're called, it doesn't really surprise me. If you stop and think about it, if you right now want to be a baseball player, you, you don't just go sign up for your little league team and play baseball and hope you're better than the next guy and whatever else. At some point, people are serious. You get a, at age six, you get a hitting coach, you know, whatever else. My kids, cause my, my, I had aspirations for my kids. They weren't to make the major leagues or sized up early. That wasn't whatever. My kids had honestly private ACT tutors, right? Like they, I got them private ACT tutors and private, whatever, whatever your aspirations are. If you have money now, any kind of money or any kind of resources or any kind of aspirations for your kids. And this is pathetic, by the way, I agree. This is all pathetic. What you can do is you can buy experts to help your kids achieve that. Like there yes. are lots of people who will write college essays for your kids um, to help get, they won't say that that's what they're doing, but who will essentially consult, you know, to try to get your kids in college. And for a lot of these people, if it is that important to them, both in terms of their college experience, but then if you're a member of uh, whatever the sorority is, you are a member of that forever, right? Those are your friends forever. They come, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they're your network forever. It actually kind of stands to reason 
that if you got all the money in the world and you can get someone to help you, just like if you've got a wedding consultant. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And someone to help. Like, what? Well, why not? Why not? It's pathetic that we do this, but it, that's what we are now. Like, we... And and it also goes to show how uneven the playing field is in this universe for people because some people can afford to have a hitting coach right. or an ACT tutor or a what or a uh, a sorority consultant or whatever it is, and other people are just scrapping to get the money together, barely working a second two jobs to pay their tuition. It, but what I will say, the the thing that just jumps off the page about rush consultants is they like the me- the the messages, the teachings of them is. Okay, let's go to let's go to the 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 store. Let's go buy you some dresses. I'll tell you which ones are going to impress these these girls you're going to meet. Uh, rush week. Also, any, they're telling them any how, different than the, than the pageant I, I see, consultants. No, 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 no it's not. But like, America? also the conversing part where they're like, "Well, you can't talk about your political. Don't do not talk right. about your political affiliation. Don't talk about boys. Don't talk about booze. Don't." And they're just telling them how to impress people that they want to impress to get into right. a certain sorority. And I think like, okay, you get to that sorority and you've been putting these impressions into these girls' ears this whole time. Do you actually feel that way? It's more of an act. Obviously, the whole thing is, is revolting. Yes. Um, it's also true if you talk to Drew Hill who went to Alabama, and I think this is true at most colleges. It is a, it is a picture of, a, of the top 1% at a university. Mm-hmm. So in terms of wealth, privilege, all of that stuff, right? It's not actually an accurate picture of the University of Alabama or the or the student body at the University of Alabama any more than I, right. mean, I for example, uh, I remember when the social network came out mm-hmm. and the movie about the Facebook movie, right? And I mean that that shot at Harvard is life at Harvard, like whatever. I I literally when I went to Harvard. We were, before there was a company, Facebook, we were given books that had everyone's picture in them. And we started, that was the Facebook. Like, right. it was literally, literally, we have a Facebook. Facebook. I have a Facebook. Yeah, it's like all the other freshmen, pictures of the faces and how to get in touch with them and stuff. That's where the word Facebook came from. But anyway, that picture of Harvard, I did not recognize I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that university. It was people in finals clubs wearing tuxedos, doing cocaine. I never even put on a suit when I was at Harvard. I never saw cocaine. I never like, it's just, 
it was just it was the whatever the name the the, the twins those two redheaded twins who yeah. rode crew and like it was the beautiful people. Uh, my my son who goes to Duke, it's the same thing. He said like like Jerry Fine Seinfeld's kid goes to Duke or did or whatever or Rob Lowe's kid goes to Duke and then there's the basketball players and those people live in a universe that is that is almost nothing to do with the universe of most kids who are just you know, trying to get decent grades and get a job and whatever else. And I think whatever this, I'll, I'll I will watch it. I think yes. um, entertaining. It's it's entertaining, but, but it's not really, the it, actual it, image. It's not representative of the right. university. Right. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you there. But I'm telling you, get into it. If you have to, you have to carve <laughs> out two hours though. You do have to carve out two hours for it. Um, but talking with Jeff Calkins. Uh, he is the columnist of the Daily Memphian, also from the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, um, I opened the show today because I saw Chris Mannix, who I think is a, a good writer at SI, um, but he was talking about the Nuggets and how he, he, he struggles with writing about them or talking about them because he doesn't find them very entertaining. Um, but it, it, it always brings back to me what the NBA, and I think a lot of NBA media, I, I'm not saying everybody, has latched onto, and that's LeBron and superstardom, uh, and there's sort of a lack of parity involved with what the NBA has followed um, since LeBron's been in the league. What What's your thought, a little more abstract, of like wh- where do you think the NBA is in regards to life without LeBron? Well, I don't even know just life without LeBron. I think the NBA, for whatever reason, you know, back when it was struggling in the 1970s, they sort of it it decided we are going to be a superstar driven league and we are going to focus on the superstars and the truth of the matter is is that people have generally applauded the nba for that because they contrast it to baseball right and they say baseball we don't even know who these people are like how come they don't market their stars um basketball it was bird and magic and then it was jordan Jordan. and then you know uh, lebron and 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 there have been other stars who come along uh, along the way, you know, whether you're going to count Dirk or whether you're going to count Dwight, whatever. Who you know, it, it, it's it's it has been a star vehicle. That's what it is. And I see people. Listen, I find Denver immensely entertaining, and I root Me for too. small market teams. I, I like watching Jokic play. I I I enjoy watching that team play. Um, but. It's weird to me that people people will talk about the fact that 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 people don't really care about basketball; they just care about famous people as like a criticism, right? Mm-hmm. All they care about is fame and LeBron, and 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 they don't really care about they're not basketball purists. Well, guess what? No, most of America is not. Like most of America doesn't give a flip about, you know, uh, understanding the analytics of basketball. That's not what, you know, we're talking about appealing to the mainstream and, um, and, 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 and it's just weird for me to see this now level as a criticism against the NBA, where it typically has been seen as an act of genius compared to baseball, which quote unquote doesn't market its stars. And so, doesn't have, you know have superstars like the NBA now the fact that they there that there is a focus on superstars in the NBA is seen as a bad thing instead of actually something 
that is being has been generally interpreted as an act of genius on the part of David but, Stern and that league. Right, but what I have noticed, and and where we're headed, we you know think about Jokic and Luka and Victor Wembanyama, foreign superstars, what they've been able to accomplish. I think some people that I would sort of term NBA purists, if you will, have been a little bit picky and choosy about trying to let those guys be the face of the league for similar reasons that we have the conversations about Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna and everything else with the MLB. I think there's more parallels there than we give credit for. I think one of the things that's weird is that I wouldn't actually have thought of Chris Mannix. Like, Stephen A. Smith, yes, he just likes to talk about LeBron. Right, like ESPN, uh-huh. broadly speaking, likes to focus on LeBron and the Lakers and big market and all that stuff. I was a little surprised that Chris Mannix said that because there's NBA media is not not monolithic. No, you know? I understand. There's, I understand there's NBA media that is the all I want to talk about is the star uh, NBA media, and then there's a huge part of NBA media that is I really want and, and a, a newer part of it, that I really want to break down the guts of basketball. You know, the uh, Chris Harrington belongs to this part, but, but John Hollinger does too. And um, so Zach Lowe is, is more like that, even though he's at ESPN, a deep appreciation for basketball at a granular level. And so I don't, I don't think it's, and I don't think that group, I don't think that group um, has any kind of bias against small markets or international players or whatever. I think actually there tends to be a real appreciation in that group for those players as compared to, you know, the, the, just the talkers who always want to talk about LeBron because they know that's where the clicks and the eyeballs and whatever else um, come. I, I am interested going forward in – we went, we've been through this era of, yeah, it's all, it's all about LeBron. It's mm-hmm. about whether, whether LeBron is either in Miami or Cleveland or L.A., that's the center of the NBA universe. And so I am fascinated by what it's going to look like after he's gone, um, and particularly if, you know, if San Antonio suddenly, you're right, like that's right. not a place, even when San Antonio was good, no one was interested in San Antonio. <laughs> like people would grumble that um, – the Tim Duncan and uh, and and the Spurs were back in the finals, so I, I think it'll be fascinating to see where the center of gravity will be and what it will look like when LeBron leaves. Yeah, and I think again, NBA is built on star star power, and I think premier matchups to a certain extent. I think there's a lot of people that would argue parity is not what the the NBA has been built on, but I look at this year's playoffs, and I know we've had a premier matchup with the Lakers and the Warriors, but with the parity we've seen, you had a seven seed, which happened to be the Lakers, and an eight seed in the conference finals, eight seed likely going to be in the NBA finals. Ratings are better than they've been in years with the parity we've seen, right? Like, I think there's, there's, there's something to be yeah, said about that. Is it the parity, or is it also, we've had the best of all worlds. In terms of, in terms of listen, I love the fact that my big complaint against the NBA all these years was we knew what was going to happen before the season began. Right? Yeah. You could tell me, I'll give you four teams and I'll, t- I'll be able to identify two of them are going to be in the finals. And I can probably tell you the champion. Like for the longest time, it felt like that. And now it's not at all like that. And as someone who supports and likes to see the success of small market teams and likes the suspense that comes from not knowing who's been good, that's been tremendous. It does so happen, though, that we have had that the incredible parody that we've had this year. And plus, 
Plus, we've had Golden State go on a run. We've had the Lakers go on a run. We've had the Knicks go on a run. We've had the Celtics go on a run. We've had the Heat go on a run. Like, it's also, we've really, it's been it's been a perfect storm for the NBA. It, it, obviously, we haven't had tremendously competitive uh, conference final series, but beyond that, it's everything they could have wanted so far. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, but appreciate it, Jeff. Great stuff as always. Yep. That's Jeff Calkins, uh, columnist of the Daily Memphian. Also, Jeff Calkins show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, we have some NFL news and notes to get to, and it has to do with a former Memphis kicker, Riley Patterson is on the move today. And also, the Raiders the Raiders um, have had a couple of uh, not-so-good news drops today. Darren Waller has, has spoken up to the media about him having a say-so now that he's with the Giants. And uh, Jimmy G, surgery. Talk about that on the other side. Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. They keep trying to tell me Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN. I have to tell you, it is a cold world even when it's hot outside. Cold world even when it's hot outside. Today, one of my former teammates, former Memphis kicker, great, absolute great, the University of Memphis, the kicker after Jake Elliott, still followed in those footsteps fantastically considering who he was following. But Riley Patterson, for a while, looked like he was going to get cut, released, by the Jaguars, after last year, 30 for 35, uh, uh, as far as his field goals were concerned, only missed one extra point, 53 long. He hit the, hit the field goal in the playoffs to complete the great comeback, the 29-0 comeback that the Jags had over the Chargers in the first round. They ended up winning, winning a playoff game for the first time in a long time. But uh, the Jags signed Brandon McManus, longtime kicker for the Broncos, really, I mean, a vet. And they were going to uh, completely cut Riley. They end up trading him to the Lions, back to where he originally was for a late second or a late round pick. Uh, the next couple of years, I didn't see exactly which pick it was, but damn, man! Like I, the the life of a kicker in the NFL, it's so shaky. It's always so shaky. And I've talked to Riley about it. And I've I've heard from around the block like he, he he's not sort of he didn't lock himself down in Jacksonville in that way still renting doing those type of things but that is just that is a tough tough life to lead but he has made some good money and he's made some good kicks so he still it looks like he's going to stay around I, I hope he does yeah it's always fun when you get to see tigers in the league especially when they're successful it's like you know like kickers, you said, though, a lot of it's, kickers man it's, it's kicker cold you. world is there is there any damn argument that Memphis is kicker you no actually a few years ago I mean it's got to be like it was like be. five or six years ago, I made a graphic for nine two nine calling Memphis kicker you. It is kicker you. Yeah, I mean, Gotti, and then you had uh, Jake, and now you have Riley. At least re- recently, I don't. I can't think of anybody who's had a run like that. I mean, there isn't. There isn't. And also, if you want to go punter, Joe Doyle trying to make his way with the Texans. Hey, hey, hey! Special specialist, you question specialist, you certainly so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. We, I, I can get. I can get behind that. Um, but in other news. Raiders news. Uh, Jimmy G 
today there was a report out on ESPN that he underwent foot surgery, and he think uh, when he signed with the Raiders in March. So after he signed in March, he finally got his foot surgery, and we finally got this news drop because he didn't show up to OTAs. <laughs> he didn't show up to OTAs, and they have said that the timeline is completely unknown. Paid him three years, seventy-two million dollars to essentially either get them to the playoffs or be a placeholder for a few years. They said they think he'll be ready by the season. But could you imagine? And this is this is why the, the Raiders are relatively unserious. You trade away a guy who, in Derek Carr um, who gave you a whole lot and wanted to stay in Las Vegas for a long time. I think he'll make the Saints better. I don't know how much better. I don't necessarily think they're a Super Bowl contender because they got Derek Carr. They'll be better, though. Um, but you trade away a guy in Derek Carr who gave you so much, and you bring in a guy in Jimmy G who sh- has shown you even with the best roster, arguably, in the NFL that he had with the 49ers, best defense in the NFL, he couldn't make extra throws. He couldn't make that one throw to get over top of the Chiefs when he had Emmanuel Sanders wide open down the middle. You go and get that guy, and you let him get a surgery right after you sign, right after he signs with you, and you don't know if he's going to be available. And like the Raiders last year with Josh McDaniels, He's trying to make it the Patriot way there. He's trying to bring in guys that he's familiar with. Brings in Jacoby Myers this offseason. Offloads Darren Waller. I'll get to him in a second. But you do all these things, and right now you're up in the air. You're like, everything's up in the air, and you were only a six-win team a year ago. The Raiders operate so unseriously, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you go get Tyree Wilson in the draft. Fine pick, I guess, considering where you were in the draft, but... Do you expect him to make an immediate difference? You have Max Crosby, you had Chandler Jones, and now you, you try to get another edge in there to make something happen. Your secondary still stinks. You don't have a linebacking core. Your offensive line's no good. And the only redeeming quality about your offense right now, and you don't know about Jimmy G, the only redeeming quality is Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. You're, just, you're, you're in this no-man's land when you're talking about the Vegas Raiders that I – I can't understand. The way they've operated is just so, so unserious. And I know our man John Martin doesn't like to doesn't like to hear that. Yeah, I was about to say that, you know, what is Devontae Adams thinking today? He's probably uh not I mean, super happy. I, it was a what was it a week ago? Right. A week ago he said, I just have to I'm along for the ride. I don't necessarily think this is the best way to go about our future. Because, I mean, you, you get rid of – the reason he's likely in Las Vegas is because of the relationship he had with Derek Carr. He has another 1,500-yard year, gets to first-team All-Pro. He feels, you know, that he has finally gotten to those heights even without Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, the reason he's there, theoretically, in my mind, is gone. The guy that probably recruited him to get to Vegas is out the door. So, like, who's he leaning on? Is he leaning on Josh McDaniels to get him the ball at a consistent rate? Is he leaning on Jimmy G to make that happen? I, I, it doesn't seem like he's overly happy and enthused with the situation right now. Well, the Patriot way goes even deeper because the backup is Brian Hoyer. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's <laughs> you can't, And this is – I know it's a copycat league, but you cannot copy what the, what the Patriots were able to accomplish all those years. That was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick being the best at their best at their best coach, best quarterback ever. That's what that was. How many yards do you think Brian Hoyer threw for last year? <laughs> just just guess. Give me just a guess. Zero? Uh a little bit more. Ten. Thirty seven. <laughs> what a guy. QBR twenty six. Did he throw a pick? No. Zero touchdowns, zero picks. Okay. It's like he threw like he threw six passes. 
But, I mean, in the end of the day, I just I, – the Raiders, thinking back to last offseason, there was a lot of hope about what they could accomplish. All that hope right now is dashed. I mean, we're looking at a potential rebuild, and now <laughs> Jimmy G, who I, I think is a serviceable quarterback, is going to be dealing with a, a rehab stint off of an injured, surgically repaired foot going into the season. And you expect him to feed Devontae Adams and keep Devontae Adams happy? <laughs> the operation there, and we should have known this going into it because Josh McDaniels has had his, his issues trying to lead a NFL franchise. We should have known going into it. I sort of referred to that going into it, but it's, it's pro- everything around Josh McDaniels and how he tries to run things. And Mark Davis, it's been proven correct, and this is just another example. Now, Darren Waller also spoke up today. We know that he's been traded off to the Giants, and he is no longer a, a, a Raider. He mentioned to uh, reporters today that he feels like now with the Giants, his opinion's being valued. And he went on to say, as a player, I feel like a lot of places I've gone, you're told to do cer- uh, things a certain way, and you do those things. But here it's like they, have, they, they ask a lot of questions. They want to know what you're thinking, what you want to do more, end quote. And by the way, him saying, I feel like a lot of places I've gone, you've been a Raider. It's, 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 it's all we know you for there, Darren. Like, respectfully, we know who you're talking about. It's John Gruden and then Josh McDaniels. But the Raiders, it's, it's clear. that I, I think as we move farther down the, the path this year into the season and maybe into next offseason, if they retain Josh McDaniels, like how many free agents, how are they going to be able to rebuild, retool this roster with all of this negative press and, and, and the way they're operating right now? It just doesn't seem like a, a realistic possibility. Well, that's why it seems like with that pick this year, even though it was a good pick, it just felt like they needed to get more value there considering everything going on. Like they really needed a building block it wasn't at number your, seven. It and, wasn't your biggest position of need right, at that moment. Right. right. Like, yeah, you need more defensive line help. You need an edge rusher that's going to replace Chandler Jones, and I, I get that. Um, but your secondary has been one of the worst in the NFL for a, for a while now. Your O-line is miserable. I, I mean, you, you need to replace a tight end. They went and got Matthew Meyer, Mayer, so maybe that works out. But it's just you need more, and especially if you're competing with a team at the top of the AFC West, which is the Chiefs. And if you're, <laughs> if you're dealing with the Chargers everywhere, if you're dealing with that, 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 that division is too good to operate as badly as they're operating. And they moved to Vegas with the intention of being better, and it didn't work out. It feels like the Raiders the last few years, and I'm, and I'm so sorry, John, but it feels like they've been one step forward, two steps back. Yep. Like every time they make progress, something happens to where they go two steps back, and they have to make up for that. Or they have a misstep like, you know, Wilson at number seven, and it's like, I, like you're right there, and it's like you had it. Like you, you just made the wrong decision. Over and over again. Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Like, yeah, there's a lot of missteps that they've had, and it's just it just continues to add up, and that's where we're at. It's where we're at with them. Now, small talk is on the way, and I have to tell you about Bama Rush, what I learned, and uh, some of the nastiness. I know, again, we talked with Jeff. I don't think it completely tells you what Alabama is as an institution, but it certainly tells you about the Rush, uh, rush Week and then what goes into that. Also, succession talk. Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy, who plays the patriarch of the Waystar Royco family. Um, The actual actor has spoken up on 
how he does not feel he was treated fairly in his his, uh, character being killed off. And he actually, he hatched a plan for how to keep himself around that likely is probably not going to be followed, but he, he hatched a plan nonetheless. We'll be back with Small Talk on the Gabe Kuch on 92.9 FM ESPN. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show. And we've already covered it a little bit, but I have to hop into this Bama Rush Doc. An hour, 41 minutes of pure chaos. Let's be honest about it. Um, directed by Rachel, Rachel Fleet. I, I, I have talked about it several times today. The Rush Consultants. I just can't get it. I, I can't understand it. I know Jeff tried to... Uh, rationalize it, but basically telling you how to converse so you impress upon people the sorority of your choice. And I, I have the question of, okay, you impress the right things wrong, uh, upon these girls in the sorority. What happens when you're actually talking to them in real-life situations and they realize that maybe the things you said in your rush is not actually what aligns with you? There, there's that, but also the machine is probably the biggest conversation around that. Theta, New Epsilon, uh, they ended up shutting down student government in 1993 to 1996 because of attacks. There was literally knives being pulled on people that were not part of the machine student government candidate at their house. They had to shut down student government because of that. Wow. And I, I've, I've, heard some, I've heard some stories about the machine at Alabama, but it seems like something you do not want to cross. You don't want to cross paths. You don't want to have those issues there. No, um, you do not. It's It's... It's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. But also, I, I do want to address, there's a bunch of random TikTok accounts uh, that you'll see if you watch it at the end of it that are accusing Rachel Fleet of hidden mics that th- they gave to, they said there was 20 people. First of all, there's not 20 people that they, uh, 20 girls that are going through Rush Week that they even interview. They said there was 20 people that are using mics that they have hidden in their you know, wristlets and bracelets and buttons, and that never happened. So she was getting a lot of threats, like actual threats via the machine and whoever it may be. There's a bunch of random TikTok accounts going after the director, Rachel Fleet, who did a really good job, really good job. She used her personal story about her her alopecia and trying to impress upon other people using wigs, and she finally took off the wig. She felt free, but she was trying to sort of draw a comparison between her and her wig uh, from alopecia and um, the other, the the girls going through Rush. They're trying to paint a picture of who they are instead of being who they are. And I think there's something to be said about that. SEC sororities and uh, fraternities is an interesting place to be. I mean, I have experience. I went through the Rush process at the University of Tennessee. I am a Lambda Chi at the University of Tennessee. I've seen it firsthand what what it does to girls during rush week. I mean, my wife was heavily involved with University of Memphis sorority stuff too, and it's uh, it's tough to see what that does to young women sometimes, and I think that they get treated very unfairly. They're yeah, judged way too harshly. It starts before them like junior year of high school. They have to start thinking about it. It's, it's an insane amount of pressure for ultimately something that should not be no. taken this seriously. No, no. Just also, trying to make I friends. have a question for you. Were they – so I haven't seen it yet um, – were there blurred faces in the documentary? No. Then what? Then what? Hidden mics? What are they talking about? I don't know. That, there there were no hidden mics. That's the whole if, point. If yeah, because I was like, that means that they they signed, made up rumors to try to persuade people to not because do the, interviews with Rachel Fleet. Because if the cameras were there and there's no blurred faces, it means people sign releases. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, 
I have to move to a, in another direction real quick. Succession. Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy, um, he thinks he was written out of Succession too early, which I don't get. I don't quite understand that. Um, obviously, he was killed in Episode 3. He, was, he died in Episode 3. But he says, I was fine with it ultimately, but I did feel a bit rejected. All the work I've done, and finally I'm going to end up as an ear on a carpet of a plane. And then he had a thought about how to keep himself around. <laughs> get this. He said, I still believe this. Maybe Logan isn't dead. This could be part of an elaborate ruse to find out, well, if you think about it, from Logan's point of view, he has to find out how are his children going to behave when he dies, what will happen, and the only way to do that is to fake your own death, and actually at some distant point, he's observing the chaos that is following. If that is the idea, that makes the whole series unserious. Yeah, no thank Immediately. you. Immediately. No thank you. Brian, Brian, I'm glad you're not writing it. Part I appreciate you as Logan Roy, but... Good Lord, I'm so glad you're not writing the script. He's a bit of a sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek guy. I wonder if he was messing with it. I hope. I, that maybe. To, when you read it, to me, I'm like, I, I think he was maybe messing with that person. Because <laughs> he said so. that he loves the last season, which yeah, is, which but is I, odd. But I, I hope, I hope. No, that would suck. That would be awful. Yeah, That'd it be, takes away everything be, that happened last episode. It would be miserable. Now, we have to go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of bets. We're going to talk, we're going to. Go around the sports world in general. Joe Fortenbaugh from the Daily Wager, from Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. He is next on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 